Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CXCast. Sam Stern, joined as always by Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And from our London office, we have our colleague, Joanna Quintanilla, on the line. Hi, Joanna. Hi. Joanna, we wanted to talk to you about your research that's an ongoing research stream for you that you've been doing for several years, journey mapping, customer journey mapping in particular. And you wrote a report that sort of is suggestive of the question and questions we want to talk to you about today. The title of it is Supercharge Your Journey Mapping. So I think we should start there. You know, how do you and why should you supercharge (laughs) your journey mapping efforts? I'll tell you a little bit of what inspired this report because I think it will help to answer that question. So I was observing around me in working with clients and through my research that a lot of companies were using journey mapping, which is fantastic. We know that it's a foundational customer experience tool, but we're also combining journey mapping with and needed to combine journey mapping with other tools in order to drive action from those journey maps. Because of course, the objective is not to create a beautiful journey map as sort of educative as that is, but it's also to drive results within your organization. And to be able to do that, you need to combine journey maps with other methodologies, with other artifacts in order to, in some cases, sharpen your vision, in other cases, to link it to your strategy, in other cases, maybe to prioritize what you're going to focus on once you've done your journey map and you've identified the pain points and the moments of truth in that map. So it was really an attempt to take a very broad look at journey mapping and how it's combined with lots of different methodologies that are borrowed in some cases from design thinking and other cases from agile methodologies and to kind of unpack why companies are doing that with what results and what are the benefits and how are those tools used together in order to really drive action and ultimately, of course, great customer experience. That was sort of the inspiration, if you like, behind uh, Supercharge and why we use the title Supercharge Your Journey Map because it's really about blending journey mapping with adjacent methodologies to drive results from the great work that companies are doing uh, mapping their journeys. I really like that because we see a lot of our clients doing this anyway or creeping into this or, you know, almost backing into it sometimes. And I think the idea of guiding them a little bit more proactively in how to bring in these adjacent methodologies in an organized way at the right time for the right reasons is a great extension of journey mapping, something that is pretty much a universal now in in CX teams and CX practices. So that makes a lot of sense. And so you mentioned what some of these other tools are. Are there specific tools that come up again and again that are included in this research? Yeah, there are. Absolutely. The other really important conclusion we reached in doing this research was that journey mapping, as we all know, is being used very widely. It's a great Mm -hmm. tool. But there's some companies, and we all sometimes do this, can tend to sort of fixate a little bit too much on the tool itself. Right. So what we wanted to do as well was kind of step back from that and ask yourself first, what is the outcome that I'm trying to deliver, that I'm trying to drive towards? And then based on that outcome and what you're trying to achieve, then pick the right tools to combine with journey mapping in order to drive those results. So there's an element, there are tools that come up time and again. It's mm-hmm. a little bit outcome specific, though. That's one of the main messages that I wanted to get across with this report is let's not fixate on the tools. Let's try and understand first what's the 
purpose? Why are we doing this? What's the outcome we're driving towards? And then within certain, if you like, groupings of outcomes, yes, there are tools that appear time and again. So if you think about something like product development, often journey mapping gets combined with jobs to be done when it's to drive product development related outcomes. So it's very outcome specific. And I think that that is the most useful way of thinking about it rather than fixating on the tool and which one should be combined most often. So that that was a big message, I think, that hopefully came through in this report. Yeah, that's great. And I can see that being really helpful too, because a lot of times, and I know when we speak with clients, you and a lot of companies do this, you have some goal and you think, well, we should probably journey map to do that. And then we're also going to do this on the Mm. side. And then would this also be helpful that there isn't some strategy behind that selection or sort of overall framework that you're working in? So it might be done less effectively because of that. Yeah, especially if you're working with a group. And I think, Joanna, you raised a great example of this, like a product team or product Mm -hmm. colleagues who may have a strong affinity for one methodology or another. Mm -hmm. Now, it's nice to be confident to say, okay, we're going to embrace that because this seems to fit. This seems to be the right adjacent methodology to combine with journey mapping in this approach. But if it's not, and yet they still have a strong sort of affinity for one method, it would be nice to have some evidence and reasons for why you're pushing back on their pet adjacent methodology. Yeah, absolutely. Because then otherwise what you end up having as well is, you know, sometimes you're kind of like force fitting the tools because it's your comfort zone or because it's something somebody in the team is pushing for very much. So I think we all have to step back sometimes and collectively as a cross-functional team and really ask the question, what's the outcome we're driving towards? Then select the tools that actually support that. The other theme in the report is, and there was a really important one in trying to figure out how firms were blending journey mapping with adjacent methodologies and then trying to also come up with some guidelines as to how they should do that. But one of the big takeaways from the research was actually that there are tools that support divergent thinking, so very broad, lots of opportunities, lots of um, different sort of solutions, and there are other tools that support convergent thinking, so really sort of starting to converge, synthesize towards a single solution. And so thinking about the tools in that sense and sort of stepping back from the tools and from your comfort zone and sort of really asking what's the outcome that we're trying to deliver and then what type of thinking do we need and then think about the tools that support that. That's sort of the right order in which to do things. So I'm curious then, of these companies that you spoke to, are there some examples of companies who are doing this well or see results when they combine these tools in this manner? Yes, it can be done and it can be done very tactically and it can be done at a very strategic level. So I came across some great examples. I'll share a couple with you that really stuck with me. So one of the examples I came across is actually from a hospital group that was looking to map out its patient journeys. And so they combined a journey and ecosystem maps and they kind of took those journey and ecosystem maps and they poured that into, if you like, a spatial representation of the physical hospital environment in order to visualize what was happening, the customer moments in context. And then they used Lean Six Sigma tools to identify different types of waste that were happening along the journey in the form of errors, of duplication, waste of resources, movement, human potential. And so it was this great combination of tools in a very, very visual way that really helped raise employees' awareness of the unnecessary paperwork and queuing and unstaffed stations and incorrect medical 
medication and all of these opportunities to actually reduce waste, visualizing it in the context of the patient journey. Now, if you'd done just the journey map in the spatial representation of the hospital, you would have had a very interesting visualization of what was happening in the patient journey, but it was actually the beauty of combining that with Lean Six Sigma and this idea of how do we identify waste along the journey, that again, if you'd done that without the spatial representation of the journey, wouldn't have been as impactful. It's a really great illustration of how combining these methodologies can have a much bigger impact within the organization than if you had used them alone and not sort of mashed them up, if you like. The Lean Six Sigma seems like a classic example of a convergent method. Convergent. Convergent, Mm -hmm. where we got the journey map and now we can really hone in on some of the inefficiencies, as you said, in the example. So that's us narrowing down, right, not broadening out. Exactly. So an important point as well is actually journey mapping itself can be both divergent and convergent. If you create a current state journey map, that can be used for more convergent thinking in some cases. But if you're actually creating a future state or ideal state journey map, that can be a divergent tool. So Mm -hmm. journey mapping itself can support both ways of thinking depending on how you're doing it. But yes, absolutely. Lean Six Sigma, that kind of waste identification, that would be much more of a convergent type of tool applied to your ideal patient journey, if you like. When I hear journey mapping, what pops into my head is a current state journey map, sort of the classic Mm -hmm. approach. And that definitely feels like convergent thinking in part because, you know, so many times in those workshops, we're asking the clients to pick one way through and focus on that. You know, we're not doing all of the paths. So almost by definition, you're converging on one path, one version of that journey to map it, right? To actually be able to proceed forward when there's sort of infinite permutations of how that journey might go. Absolutely. And actually, let me share another example with you, because I think it's an illustration of where starting with journey mapping would not have worked, right, would not have been the right answers. Because in some cases, we want to go even more divergent than a future state journey map, right? So there's also tools that support different types of thinking. But in some situations, we want to, you know, imagine a completely new experience, for instance, right? Then you actually might want to start with an even more divergent tool than a future state journey map. And that's exactly what uh, Deutsche Telekom did. So they were looking at defining a vision for appealing to their next generation of customers, children essentially who are 12 years old at the moment and who will be their core customers in 2025, right? So Mm -hmm. this is a real look into the future, very much far ahead. They wanted to use uh, very divergent thinking in order to understand what's the mindset? How are these children thinking about connection, about actually using, uh, you know, mobile phones. So they actually started with design thinking workshops that they ran across five countries uh, with 373 digital natives whose average age was 12 years. And they spent the first day just talking about the future of communication. So this comes back to something that you mentioned before, sort of like how broad the question is that, you know, that you actually ask. They spent the second day prototyping models of devices and services and tools, pipe cleaners and scissors and glue. And so they used very divergent thinking techniques to uncover really valuable insights about the needs and the desires of this next generation of customers. And one of the main things that was really eye-opening for them, for instance, is that none of these children actually created a prototype of a mobile phone. They were all creating prototypes of robots and they were sort of imagining beds surrounded by technology that they could use to communicate with their friends. Very, very different. If you had tried to immediately journey map that, it would have been too limiting, right? So they 
needed to go mm-hmm. even broader. But then they did take those insights and they did use them in creating journey maps so that they could actually then create some ideas and some solutions that were tangible from that very, very divergent thinking. So it's a great illustration of how it's really important to think about what's the outcome? What are we trying to actually solve for here? How broad does our thinking need to be? And then select the right tools to be able to answer those questions. That's a great example. I, of course, love it because design thinking, exploratory (laughs) research, speaking my language here. But it also does drive home that you can't just go straight to the journey map, right? This is what it is today. But let's say all of a sudden we had a robot, right? How would we design it differently? Instead, you have to take those steps before, right? There are different tools to use in different orders and journey mapping can be the first step or it can be three steps in. Yeah, that's great. Joanna, thank you for joining us to talk about your research on supercharging journey mapping efforts. We really appreciate it. Some great examples in there. Listeners, we've posted a link to the relevant report and there's lots of other resources on journey mapping on some of these adjacent techniques and tools and methodologies as well. We've posted links to some of those in the show notes. So we encourage you to check those out. I encourage you to start thinking about how you would ask these questions inside of your organization to really take your journey mapping to the next level. We'll talk to you all on next week's CXCast. Bye for now. Thanks to our colleagues, Amanda Chen, for recording and mixing the episode, and Will Wilsey for editing and publishing. And listeners, if you have questions, feedback, comments, or suggestions for new episodes, please email us at cxcast at forrester.com. And remember, your customers' perceptions are your customer experience reality.